You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good Tuesday, everybody, and welcome to Locked On Balls. It's your team every day. I'm your host, Eric Kane, at underscore Kaner on Twitter, at Locked On Vols. You can find this podcast there on Twitter, as well as anywhere you get your podcasts each weekday morning when you wake up. I'm a radio personality here in Knoxville, Tennessee, cover Tennessee recruiting for the football side at VolQuest.com. And it's always an exciting show every week on Tuesday because it's when we get to answer your questions. You guys do a great job of sending in questions throughout the week via my personal Twitter at underscore Kaner or at Locked on Vols, and I appreciate that. Continue to do so, and we're going to get around to them answering them each and every Tuesday. That's what's on the docket here in segment one. In segments two and three, had a chance to catch up with Blake Topmeyer earlier this week, and I want to play that interview. We are previewing spring football practice for Tennessee, talking positions from the quarterbacks to the linebackers to the running backs to the defensive backs, Steve Beckwith, Josh Heupel, everything that engulfed Tennessee football as we head into spring football practice that was officially announced on Monday that it will begin on Thursday, as will the Tennessee Football Pro Day. Uh, so again, the, the, the football team was shut down uh, just for a couple of days due to a COVID outbreak, but the team has resumed football activities, winter workouts and whatnot, and uh, the team will get out there and practice football here on Thursday, the first of 15 spring practices. The spring game is still scheduled for for August, <laughs> for April the 24th. The SEC announced the kickoff time for the Orange and White game. That will be at 4 o'clock uh, Saturday afternoon on April 24th. Uh, real quick, before we get into Twitter Tuesday, I want to address uh, a bunch of rumors flying out around right now about Henry Tuoltuo. Um, there are some rumors that he is back on campus. Uh, I, I can't confirm that, but even if he is back on campus, I don't know if he's going to be doing spring practice. You would think that if he's on campus, he would be going about spring practice, but I don't know. I think it's going to be one of those things we're going to have to ask Josh Heupel about when he addresses the media first or if we get to get out there and have boots on the ground and watch practice, uh, it'll be something that we'll have to look out for. But uh, if Henry T is on campus, it certainly would be a good sign, I would imagine. Um, but we'll have to see. But I wouldn't get ahead of ourselves right now. There's been this has been moving, <laughs> you know, dating back to December. It's been uh, you think he was going to be on campus for the start of classes. Then again, you thought he might be on campus for February. Um, maybe he's on campus now. Uh, we're just going to have to see uh, whether you know what the status of he and Coveris Crouch are. Um, I- I'm assuming that neither will be a part of the team, but hey, we'll just see if I can be pleasantly surprised moving on and, and seeing if those guys are out there for spring practice. But a bunch of rumors flying around right now. That's just what they are right now until we can actually see it and confirm it. I'm going to act like and assume that they're not a part of the plans as they remain in the transfer portal. So Twitter Tuesday, we'll go and get started here. Our first question up is Andrew Florio. He's sending in a number of questions throughout this uh, throughout this feature here on Twitter Tuesdays, and I uh, really appreciate him doing that. Uh, here's his question. What do you think the major factors that prevented Garantano from having success in Knoxville? That's a good question. I think at times we saw that Garantano had all the, the traits and the abilities. He had a strong arm. Um, early in his career, he did not turn the football over. Uh, almost to a fault of his own, he would hold on and, and, and take unneeded sacks when he could have threw the ball away or you know just threw the ball out there and it wasn't necessarily in harm's ways, but he just was so protective of the football early on in his career. But as his career progressed here at Tennessee, <laughs> that went out the window, man. He was a gunslinger, and he would try to fit that ball into, 
and the tight windows that sometimes were double covered, sometimes triple covered. Uh, in zone defenses, when you had a linebacker sinking underneath the route, you had a safety coming over the top, and 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 maybe a nickel back, you know, playing outside, uh, you know, a release and you know covering a a receiver. Sometimes Garantano would try to fit that ball in there, and it was just it was unneeded. Uh, Garantano, I think he struggled confidence one way or the other. Sometimes I think he was overly confident in his last two years here, as I just pointed out. Sometimes I think when one thing you know bad happened to him, he let that affect the next play and then the next play. And then one pick six to another pick six. We've seen that story many, many times. Um, I think it was a head game for Garantano. And, and on that note, too, keep in mind he had four different uh, offensive coordinators, four different co- uh, I believe he had four different offensive coordinators. And uh, I think he had four different quarterback coaches as well throughout his time here at Knoxville. He was here five years. Um, that's that's not going to help anybody out here, uh, all that transition. But at the end of the day, turnovers were his issue. He just turned the football over. And you cannot be successful turning the football over as much as he did. So uh, he's at Washington State now. I think he's going to have an opportunity to play early on with the quarterback questions up there. And so I uh, wish him the best of luck. But I think... Uh, between the years, a lot of times, not saying that he doesn't have a high football IQ, I just think confidence level one way or the other, whether he, whether he was overly confident or whether he let plays from the past affect his presence, uh, I think that was a, a really big issue for Jared Garantano. Plus, he got crushed early on in his career here at Tennessee, and you got to think that uh, you know that that was weighing in the back of his mind, you know, throughout uh, his remaining time here at Tennessee. We'll move on to Mike and uh, who's doing pro day and who is going to get drafted in your opinion? Well, uh, Tennessee announced that Brandon Kennedy, Trey Smith, Josh Palmer, and um, Bryce Thompson are going to be taking part in Tennessee's pro day. That again is going to be on Thursday. We're going to have a Zoom media session with those players on Wednesday morning. So looking forward to that. Might bring you some audio here to this podcast, but. Um, I, I think that you know we had Brandon Kennedy on this podcast. Really enjoyed catching up with him. I don't think he'll be drafted. Um, he wasn't invited to the NFL Combine, and um, I think he'll have to really, really show out in order to get drafted here at this pro day. Uh, he's an older guy too. Um, he was in college for six years. Doesn't mean I don't think he'll be on a roster. I just don't know if he'll be drafted. I think Trey Smith's going to be drafted. I think Josh Palmer's going to be drafted. And um, Bryce Thompson will probably be drafted, but it's going to be late. Uh, a lot of mocks right now are projecting Trey Smith in the third round. Man, I hope a team takes a chance on him earlier, maybe in the second round. He is, uh, we know this. I mean, you guys know Trey Smith. Uh, he's, he's a tremendous talent and a great person. We'll have to see. I think Josh Palmer surging. He had a really, really, really nice uh, senior bowl week in Mobile. And so I think that he could be as drafted as high as the third round. And uh, Bryce Thompson, I think he'll be a, a late day three pick, maybe sixth, seventh round. But uh, all four of these guys, in my opinion, will be on a roster for training camp. I think three of which will be drafted. But pro day will be Thursday. We'll have a media session with them Wednesday morning. And I'll give the recaps right here on Locked On Vols of those chats. And, of course, the uh, the workouts as well. Uh, Dustin chimes in, and he wants to know, he wants to know what position uh, you feel best about entering spring. Well, we've talked about some of these uh, throughout the last couple of weeks. Um, I feel great about the receiver room. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, Bayless Jones Jr., uh, some of those freshmen from last year now turned sophomores that are be expecting more from them, like Malachi Weidman. <laughs> um, you got Jimmy Calloway. You got Jimmy Holiday. Um, of course, you got D. Beckwith, who we'll talk about here in just a second as well with, with Blake Topmeyer. You got a lot of these uh, young receivers that are exciting, that are fast, that are athletic. A couple of those with uh, some more guys that have been here for quite some time. Uh, guys like Cedric Tillman, who uh, is still here. And then, of course, the two I already mentioned, Jalen Hyatt and, and Valus Jones Jr. You got to feel really good about the receiver room 
right now. So that's who I would say. And we're gonna we're we're gonna dissect uh, you know position by position as we go through spring practice and and kind of talk about that as we go on once this thing starts. But the receiver room certainly is the one I feel the best about entering spring ball. And last up, we have Jalen. He wants to know this is a basketball question. Is it all right to be upset with Barnes? I'm not talking about trying to fire him or anything, but I am really, really mad at Rick Barnes right now for the way the season turned out. And uh, no, it's, I, I get that. Um, we kind of spent some time on this on Monday's podcast. And, you know, I, I am, you know, you see social media anger all the time. I get it. You see fire Rick Barnes, fire, Rick, fire whichever coach it is that just lost the game. I get that. But. Um, to me, it would be so silly, and I don't even think it's a conversation that you get rid of Rick Barnes right now. Absolutely not. But in saying that, I think it's fair to be very critical. Uh, Rick Barnes is being paid $5 million a year to go win basketball games. Uh, Rick Barnes has uh, a, a lottery pick on his roster right now, and, and Keon Johnson, most likely a first-round pick, and Jaden Springer if he elects to go, which I think both of those guys will go. You had two, you had an all-conference player in John Fulkerson returning. You had E. Pons, the reigning defensive player of the year in the country or in the uh, in the SEC. Um, back on your roster, you had Josiah Jordan James, a former five-star prospect. You had talent galore on this roster. You had Victor Bailey Jr. that was sitting there coming off the bench. You had Victor, you had a Santiago Vescovi who came on and had a splash last year. So absolutely, I think it's fair to be critical because when you make that much money and when you have this much talent on the roster. Um, I understand it's a weird year. I've talked about this. I understand. I think COVID did play a factor in this team's development. I really do. But that still doesn't take away from some of the inexcusable losses that were on the schedule this year and an early first-round exit. I understand Oregon State Sweet 16 bound. That might might very well be the Cinderella of this year's tournament. I get it. Um, But at the end of the day, Tennessee basketball should not have lost in in, in game one of this tournament in round number one. Too talented, too well-coached. And uh, too much depth on this team, so I understand it was not a, this season overall was not what it should have been, but it certainly should not have been uh, resulted in a in, in a first round exit. So that's just kind of what I think on that. So yeah, if you want to be mad at Rick Barnes, absolutely be mad at Rick Barnes. Very, I think it's fair to be critical. Absolutely, that's just kind of the stage that you're in. Um, and I know you're not saying this, Jalen, but it, for the people, for the very small percentage of people that are saying fire Rick Barnes, ah. Eh, I don't know. I mean, I understand it kind of comes with the territory, but I would reevaluate that because Tennessee basketball is in a great, great spot right now uh, in terms of where it was before he came. And recruiting, national spotlights, and still a lot of talent on there. I know it doesn't you know, make you feel better right now, but team's very talented, and uh, it should be contending for you know a, a four, five, six seed again next year, in my opinion. So uh, we're going to have to see on that front. Uh, that is Twitter Tuesday, guys. I appreciate it. We'll get more and more questions. I'll answer more. I can spend the entire show doing Twitter Tuesday. If that's what you guys want to do. But send them in each and every week. Doesn't matter if it's right now when you're listening. I will bookmark it, and we will talk about it next week. At underscore Caner on Twitter, at Locked on Falls. Tweet me, DM me, whatever you want for Twitter Tuesday. I appreciate you guys, Andrew, Mike, Dustin, and Jalen, for participating today we got Blake Tottmeyer coming up on the other side but first let me remind you of my friends at rockauto.com one reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money and you can do that and then use the money for other important things like your mortgage or you know food on the table why would you choose to spend 30 percent 50 percent 100 percent more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership might I suggest you go online to rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts and customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. 
Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. At rockauto.com, the catalog, it's unique, it's unique and remarkably easy to navigate through. You can quickly see all the ports available for your car, your truck, your brand, your specifications at the prices you prefer. And guys, we know it by now. The prices are the best part at rockauto.com. Always reliably low, the same for professionals and the do-it-yourselfers. Again, why spend up to 100% more, 50% more, when you can get those same parts for a cheaper rate at rockauto.com? Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit my friends at rockauto.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We got Blake Topmark coming up here in just a second. But first, get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Well, welcome to the show, Blake Topmeyer of Knoxville News Sentinel, and he does a great job covering this Tennessee football beat, breaking stories, uh, quite frequently, actually. So, Blake, appreciate you joining the show, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Spring practice is officially set to begin now on Thursday. It will also be the uh, the day for Pro Day. Um, so, kind of the biggest storylines, obviously, there's a lot of question marks, too many to even answer, but what might your biggest storyline be entering spring practice, the first for Josh Heupel? Well, it's sort of hard to overlook the, the quarterback competition, I think. I mean, I, I think that off the bat kind of jumps out to you as, as a, a narrative we'll all be monitoring throughout the spring. You know, is it going to be the, the veteran and Hinton Hooker, one of the returners, Harrison Bailey or Brian Maurer, the new guy, and, and Caden Salter? I really think that all four of those guys have a legitimate opportunity. I think it's the most open quarterback competition we've seen at Tennessee in several years, really, and probably the deepest competition. Uh, but even though that's that's sort of the headline, I, I think, of the spring, I actually think there's some even more important position battles, really, that are going to unfold, particularly at linebacker. I mean, I just – Tennessee has a lot of question marks at, at linebacker. I know there's there's some rumblings right now about whether Henry Toa Toa might – possibly rejoin the team. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really know which way that's, that's going to go. I don't know if any of us do. Um, it's been kind of a strange saga playing out here over the last couple months, but whether he's here, whether he's not, uh, I mean, Tennessee has some, some spots they have to plug there at linebacker. And so I, I really think that's probably the biggest position of concern for Tennessee, but, but certainly I think quarterback will really dominate the headlines. Yeah, I mean, as it always does, quarterback, it's a, you know, most important position in all of sports. But, you know, on that linebacker front, this is something we've talked about on this podcast and listeners have asked questions about just simply, you know, who is going to be out there to play? Say Henry Tuolo does indeed not come back. Say Colbert's Crouch does indeed not come back. Um, you've got Jeremy Banks, who's seen time. Uh, you've got Bryson Eason as that piece. Martavis French was a name you would throw in there a couple of weeks ago. Um, Solon Page, Aaron Beasley. It's just a position really that 
doesn't have a whole lot of experience. And quite frankly, even with Tool Tool and Corvaris Crouch last year, a position that was not very good. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, that, I mean, that's a good point. Even, even if Henry T comes back, which I think is, is far from, um, you know, certain, any sort of certainty at this this point. Uh, but even if he is back, there, there's still a questions there. I mean, you mentioned Jeremy Banks. He's probably of the guys who are set to return right now and the most experienced player, but wasn't really a very productive season for him last year. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt sort of made Banks kind of a pet project and, and it really didn't yield high-level high results, but but he is the most experienced guy there. Yet Morvin Joseph is a guy that bounced around throughout his freshman year between outside linebacker, inside linebacker. Curious to see where he winds up, um, you know. And then you know someone like Aaron Beasley, even who's been kind of a utility man, uh, has played some running back, some safety throughout his career. Wound up at linebacker, hasn't had a ton of playing time on defense. Has played some special teams. I wonder if he sort of gets in the, the mix as as well. So. You know, as much as much as the focus is going to be on quarterback, and rightfully so, as you mentioned, I mean, it's it's the most important position out there. Not only that, but Tennessee hasn't had competent quarterback play since 2016, Joshua Dobbs' final year. But as much focus as quarterback is going to get, if I was a Tennessee fan, I would be more concerned about other areas of the roster. I, I don't know that Tennessee is going to be great at quarterback, but they have options. I think Josh Heupel is going to be much better at coaching quarterbacks. Um, than, than Tennessee's quarterbacks were in the hands of a Jeremy Pruitt coach program. Uh, but I look at that defense, and I see a lot of concerns. I mean, we, we talked about the, the linebackers, but you even go back to defensive backs. They lost their top DB and Bryce Thompson. Um, a lot of experience in the secondary, but I don't see a lot of top-end talent back there. And the same way up front. You know, it's an experienced defensive line, but I think it's a defensive line that's really lacking any elite talent. So, uh, really – um, I think I'm probably more concerned about Tennessee's defense really than, than the quarterback or, or anything on offense. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. And I mean, there's a lot of experience in the back end, but you did lose Bryce Thompson, who will compete in uh, Tennessee's Pro Day on Thursday. Sean Schamberger, his name is up in the air right now. I guess we're really going to have to see if he's out there practicing uh, whenever pr spring practice gets started. Uh, you got a lot of veterans in the back end and in the front end. But, you know, something else that's intriguing, uh, and I've been asking a lot of the guests that have come on this podcast as well, Tennessee said multiple times it will be multiple on defense. Uh, but you got to start out in a base one way or the other. And from meeting with the defensive coaching staff a couple weeks ago, it kind of made it seem like they're going to they're gonna spend a couple of practice days just kind of a figuring out the talent to the best of their abilities and then decide if they're going to be a base three or four man front. Do you kind of view it as that as well? Because I, I think regardless, they're going to be multiple no matter what, but we might be going from a standard base three, four under the Jeremy Pruitt regime to maybe a four, three scheme under Tim Banks. Yeah. I tend to think that they'll probably wind up in a four man front, whether that's a, a four, three or a four, two, five, you know, nickel defense might, might depend on the situation, but I actually think that could be good for Tennessee. I think that gets some players, uh, like a Tyler Barron into, into that a defensive end, hand in the dirt position a little bit more. Uh, maybe even someone like Roman Harrison. I, I think I think it helps Tennessee's pass rush a little bit to go to that four man front. I, I look for Barron maybe to uh, to take a big step forward here in his second year in the program and perhaps become uh, the best pass rusher on this roster. And they and they need someone like him to really elevate their game because after the transfer of DeAndre Johnson. Uh, Kevon Bennett dismissed from the program. I mean, they, they lost their two main pass rushers from last year. But let's say they, they wind up in a, a four-man front with a, a nickel formation a lot, which I think, you know, you see a lot of SEC teams do with the, the passing 
uh, heavy offenses now. You, you, you see defenses use five DBs a lot. I mean, I think that nickelback competition is, is something that's really important for Tennessee this spring because, you know, as we all remember from last year, uh, covering passes over the middle of the field was just a season-long bugaboo for Tennessee. And it wasn't all the nickelbacks. You know, Tennessee's inside linebackers also stru- struggled in coverage as well. But, um, you know, you go back to a couple years ago, and, and I thought Sean Schamberger really played well at that nickel or, as Jeremy Pruitt called it, the star position. And then Schamberger regressed last year. Don't necessarily expect him to be with the program moving forward. He didn't finish last season with the program. Um, and it's sort of, I think, kind of an open competition there between Theo Jackson, Danico Slaughter, and, and maybe some some newcomers. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think regardless of how they align, uh, four or three man, I, I do think they'll probably be multiple, but I guess I feel like they'll probably be more of a four-man front. We'll have part two of my conversation with Blake Topmeyer coming up here in just a second. But first, guys, bet online. The fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. It is madness right now as we and we're entering the last couple of couple of days of March right now. But it is March Madness. And you're seeing upsets galore. We had a two-seed fall again yesterday. And, you know, those on the right side of the line made some serious cash against the spread. Whether it's against the spread, whether it's money line, straight up, future picks, whatever it is. Football, basketball, baseball, the NHL, the NBA, Major League Baseball is coming up. You can do it all at Bet Online. Again, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. It even covers award shows, television shows, and reality television. Real-time, updated odds and props on on almost anything you can possibly imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets. It's completely free to sign up. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Yes, if you're a first-time user, on your first deposit, BetOnline is literally giving you money. I love free money. I love money, but free money? Oh man, sign me up. You can do that at Bet Online. Promo code locked on to get that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, promo code locked on. Join the madness. Make some money. Do it all at Bet Online. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And we continue the March Madness conversation with Built Bar as we continue to try to find uh, which Built Bar is the best in Built Bar Madness. Told you about Bill Bar, you know by now. Low sugar, low calorie, high in protein, high in fiber. Amazing test- tasting protein bar that it looks like a candy bar. It tastes like a candy bar, but it's a protein bar. It's 100% chocolate. In today's matchup in the Bill Bar Madness, go online to BillBar.com or on Twitter at Bar underscore Built. Cast your votes for either cho- a chocolate brownie chunk or lemon almond cheesecake. Chocolate brownie chunk or lemon almond cheesecake. We are in the enticing eight round of this Built Bar Madness. Again, BuiltBar.com or at underscore Built on Twitter to cast your vote. And while you're there, use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Check back to see who won against chocolate brownie or lemon almond cheesecake. That's today's matchup, and we're going to decide who will become the best-tasting protein bar. It's Built Bar Madness at BuiltBar.com. The final part of my conversation with Blake Dotmeyer, the Knoxville News Sentinel, coming up here in just a second. But first, the NFL Draft, it's just weeks away. It's time to start following our locked-on NFL Draft duo. The Draft Dudes podcast watches every prospect so you don't have to. And the Locked On NFL Draft podcast is your daily draft news and mock draft podcast central. Follow Locked On NFL Draft and Draft Dudes on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Blake Tallmeyer, Nocturne New Sentinel, joining Locked On Vols, previewing the start of Tennessee spring football practice. And Blake, uh, a popular name this offseason, really all last year as well, um, D. Beckwith, a guy that was a true freshman last year, uh, didn't get a whole lot of run, but kind of like Aaron Beasley of a couple of years ago, didn't really have a home, kind of found a home at running back maybe, but I, I never thought that he fit the running back mold um, in this new offense with Josh Heifel. I think that you could do a number of different things with him. Uh, kind of where do you think D. Beckwith might end up when, you know, maybe after this evaluation period in spring heading into fall camp? I wonder if he'll end up maybe like in, in the slot, uh, whether you call him a tight end, slot receiver, I, I'm not sure. But you go back to Heupel's days at Missouri, um, you know, Missouri had some really good tight end play there with, uh, with several different guys and uh, Jason Reese, Sean Culkin, uh, Albert O. Um, so, you know, Josh Heupel has shown if he has the talent, if he has the pass catchers, um, you know, he'll throw to those big bodied receivers. And, and I, like you, uh, I, I didn't really feel like D Beckwith made a ton of sense at, at running back. I mean, he does give you a different wrinkle. Uh, he gives you that power back that, that Tennessee did not really have throughout Jeremy Pruitt's tenure at six, five, 230 pounds. Um, but you know, I, I'm not sure that that probably gets the most out of his abilities long-term. Uh, you know, Tennessee, obviously they face some question marks at running back following the departures of Eric Gray and Ty Chandler, but I sort of, I'm kind of bullish on that position. I, I really like what, the, what they have in, in Tyon Evans. I, I think he looks excellent on film. I know sometimes you can be uh, seduced a little bit by a junior college prospects yeah. film, and then they wind up, you know, at the FBS program and they don't end up doing much, but I, I think he looks great on film. Uh, Jabari Small, I thought looked okay in a, in a small sample size last year. Curious to see more of him. And then uh, Jalen Wright, the, the speedster they signed as, as part of this 2021 recruiting class. So I think they would probably be okay at running back, even if they moved D back with. And so I do think he's a guy that you, you could do a lot of different things with. I mean, honestly, um, I'd be kind of curious to see him as a 6'5 uh, guy coming off the edge on defense, um, you know, with his athletic. I mean, he's got good size for it. Um, but I don't know that you just want to continue to keep moving him around to different spots. I mean, whatever they do with him, I think they need to kind of get, get it figured out this spring and leave him there because that's one criticism I, I would have of the, the Pruitt era is I thought he fell a little bit too in love with tinkering with different guys early in the development. And I get it. Like you don't always know on day one, what the best position is for a guy, but it did seem like there were a handful of players throughout the Pruitt era that they just never really found a home. I mean, they were playing at one position one week, two weeks later, they were playing another position. And that's what you got to do in high school football to get through a season. But I, I don't think it's really uh, great for a college players development. And, um, you know, I think you will probably see hype will do a little bit less of that. And he might change some positions of guys early, but I think by the end of the spring, guys are going to know where their home's at. Last thing, Blake, then we'll get you out of here. Um, it's been limited. Obviously we haven't been around the program. It's been the off season and uh, been a lot of transition. And certainly with the COVID era, um, our access has been limited in person, but Josh Heupel so far, uh, first couple of months on the job, uh, assembling his staff, uh, what we've seen from offseason workouts and on social media and, and what we've heard, uh, your thoughts on Josh Heupel um, and, you know, what is, if anything, really, what does he kind of kind of need to prove, I guess, this spring um, for it to be a successful kind of transition before you head on into the real preparations for fall camp? I feel like he's he's handled the I guess the media circuit that that side of the job um, kind of the branding pretty well, which actually I, mean, I don't know if I want to say it surprised me, but you know I covered Josh Heupel for one year when he was the offensive coordinator at Missouri. I was covering Missouri at that time, and you know he's not a real big personality, uh, not someone who's going to hold court usually with the press. So 
I thought when he got hired, I'm like, I don't, I don't really know if this job suits this guy's personality. Just knowing how much media you have to do in Tennessee, knowing how much, um, you know, you're really kind of the face of the state in, in some ways. But I think he's he's really settled into that pretty nicely. And and I think maybe you're seeing that three years of head coaching experience. Um, you know, back when I covered him, he hadn't had any head coaching experience, was just a coordinator at that time. I think you're seeing a guy now that's maybe been been through this uh, for a few years. Obviously, the um, the stakes are different at Tennessee and the SEC than what you have at, at UCF. But uh, still, I, I think the early returns there look fine. Of course, he's in the honeymoon stage. Everybody's getting along uh, <laughs> uh, at this juncture. But, you know, in terms of long term for Heupel, I mean, I think I think he's great news for Tennessee's quarterbacks. The, the quarterback position was a mess throughout the Pruitt era. Um, the offense in general really was just stuck in neutral for, for three straight seasons. Uh, if I was a Tennessee quarterback or Tennessee wide receiver, uh, or really any offensive player, because I think he's done some good things with his offensive lines over the years as well, I'd be really excited about this change. Um, I mean, long term, the questions I have are, can he recruit at, at a high enough level um, to, to, to get high level success here? And then defensively, you know, I mean, what he does on offense, um, when it's working, that's great. You're scoring in 90 seconds. When it's not working, you go three and out in 20 seconds and you put your defense in a tough situation. Um, and, and the personnel, as we've discussed on defense, you know, I, I think it's going to be a real challenge for Tennessee in year one defensively. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be more exciting than it was for, for three years under Pruitt. I think they're going to score. Um, you know, I think their, their quarterbacks are going to be allowed to open it up a little bit. Uh, and, and this, this offense really does go warp speed, uh, which can be exciting at, at times. So I'm just, I, I worry a little bit about that recruiting, uh, for Tennessee and, and, and the defense as well. Check out his work at knoxnews.com. Blake Topmeyer, great stuff, man. Appreciate you joining the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Eric. Great stuff from Blake Topmeyer. Really appreciate him joining the show. And let me just say this. I know Blake on social media might get a bad rep sometime, but, man, he he is great at what he does. He is a journalist, and uh, I really admire the way that Blake goes about his business. He's he's good at it, man. He really, really is. And so I joined him. I, uh, enjoyed talking with him and bringing that on the podcast here uh, today for a Tuesday Locked on Balls. It was Twitter Tuesday. It was a two-part conversation with Blake Topmeyer, so it was a fun show today. Appreciate you guys hanging out with me and taking it all in. Uh, tomorrow, we have we will have Ward Wednesday. That's Josh Ward. He'll join the show, and we'll get his thoughts on Tennessee basketball bowing out early on, spring football practice upcoming, and a whole lot more as Locked on Vols podcast continues to roll on a big week ahead, and we'll break it all down for you every single day right here on Locked on Vols. <laughs>